Welcome to The Heart Podcast, a Christian podcast featuring sermons from the Greater Hartford Church of Christ and impromptu episodes covering a wide variety of topics. We hope you enjoy. You didn't know I could move that fast. I didn't either. Okay. Not anymore. Let's open up our Bibles to 1 John. 1 John chapter 3, we're going to continue our series in 1 John, and we're going to start in verse 11, actually verse 10, but just to set up verse 11. Um, really quickly, i got to catch my breath, doggone it. Walking on the treadmill is different than moving this big old body around. Okay. <laughs> Um, we're going to continue in First John. We've been studying. Uh, next week, again, we're going to, uh, uh, Davey Breen will be preaching for our Christmas service, and then we'll have regional services on the 19th, and then we have a, a virtual service on the 26th. I got great news. Our last virtual service, planned virtual service, will be January 2nd. After that, everything will be in person. Amen? Unless God brings a blizzard, but other than that, uh, and there are those people that are online that are unable to attend or still don't feel comfortable uh, because of health reasons. Uh, we'll always have an online presence. Amen. So now that I've caught my breath and stalled a bit, let's go. First John chapter three. Uh, the title of today's lesson is KISS. Can we say that? KISS. You guys know what that acronym means? Keep it simple. What? Keep it what? Keep it simple what? Well, we're Christians, so we're not going to say stupid. Uh, but that phrase was born out of the military in 1960. And uh, the whole idea, it's, it was uh, for secular terms, keep it simple, stupid. So keep everything as easy as possible. So today, we're going to dispense with stupid, although stupid is in the Bible. You guys know that, right? Stupid is in the Bible. Hebrew, or I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1. Uh, it says that the person that hates correction is, God said it, I didn't. But for today, we have an option. I'm going to give you two options because we live in a consumer-friendly world. you got two options. So it's going to be keep it simple, and you've got a choice. Keep it simple, saints, for the religious people. A saint is a saved one of God, a disciple, a Christian. Or keep it simple, sinner. So you guys choose depending on how you feel. Both apply prayerfully. I think probably sinner applies more than anything else. Amen. First John chapter 3, verse 11. The title of today's lesson is Keep It Simple. There you go, sinner. And... I am an overthinker. Are there any other overthinkers out there? Raise your hand if you're part of the overthinkers club. Where the simplest decision, the simplest decision can lead you down a whole rabbit hole of choices and options. And for me, I, I am the classic, uh, I have buyer's remorse about almost everything. Almost everything. 
except for my wife. Uh, that there was no buyer's remorse there because I, I didn't buy her. So, amen. Uh, <laughs> but there's no overthinking there. But I overthink a lot. And so what happens to us when it comes to our faith and our walk with God and our in uh, this journey of faith we're on with God is we can overthink it and we mess it up. Uh, and that really is what God is trying to do the whole time is bring us back to some very simple principles. And for us, if we can just get two things on straight, two things on straight, that's it, just two, and we stick to those two things, they will help us in our walk with God, they will help us in our walk with one another until we get our armored car that takes us to the burial ground. Right, Ken? No. But we just need to get two things on straight. But First John chapter 3, verse 11, let's talk a little bit about it. I got three simple points. Uh, prayerfully, they're simple. Uh, the problem, the solution, and the confirmation. Keep it simple. Verse 11, actually we'll do verse 10 because it's a, verse 11 just continues, and I want to make sure we don't miss out on that thought. In verse 10 of chapter 3, 1 John, the Bible reads, This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does what is right, anyone who does, who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. In verse 11, and the reason I want to read this, this is our section, but it, it, it's important to remember where it's coming from. It says, For this is the message you heard from the beginning, we should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And, his, and this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. And this is a section we'll stop with. And there's several things that there's a reason why the Apostle John, and if you read the Gospel of John, a lot of these words will sound very similar uh, when he talks about, uh, about knowing God. And, and when he talks about 
um, uh, loving one another. You read the Gospel of John, a lot of these words will be very similar. In particular, John chapter, three, uh, John chapter 8 and verse 15, when he calls uh, the, the Jews that were persecuting him, Jesus calls uh, the Jews that are persecuting him, he calls them, mur he said, you're just like your father who was a murderer. And that's John 8, 44, because they were not acting in love. And so Jesus called them out on that. So a lot of these things are very similar. Uh, the, a lot of the, the wording is very similar. For us, the reason he's writing this to that church is because they were beginning to lose their way as they were, their faith was being diverted uh, because of the Gnostics, which we've talked about. Their faith was being diverted. And so once their faith was being diverted, once their belief in Jesus was being diverted, then obedience to his greatest command was then subverted as well. To love your neighbor as yourself. To love your brother. To lay down your life for your brother. And so here's the problem. Here's the problem we have when it comes to obeying these two commands. Problem number one, it's us. The problem, it's sitting right in your seat. Can you look at the person next to you and say, I'm the problem? Please look at the person next to you and say, I'm the problem. <laughs> it is very easy to say, you're the problem. I know for all the parents looking at their kids, they're like, you're the problem. And husbands and wives look at each other, and you're like, you're the problem. We're the problem. We are the problem. And it's important that we grasp this because he says, look, you've heard from the very beginning what the message is to love one another. And then he says, don't be like Cain who murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. And he said the bottom line was, uh, if you read Genesis chapter 4, the whole idea there was uh, uh, Cain and Abel, they brought their offerings to God and uh, God was like, man, there, there was a difference in heart and difference in uh, what uh, Abel gave. And he said, and Cain was mad. But Cain wasn't mad because of God. Cain was mad because of Abel. And he looked at him, and it basically, because of his righteousness, Abel's righteousness, it exposed his own deficiencies. And as opposed to him going to God and being like, man, how can I get this right? God, what can I do about me? He looked at his brother and killed his brother. And you know, the problem with us, and, and I speak specifically to those of us in the church, for the problem with us is it's so much easier to look at someone else and say, you're the problem as opposed to what's my problem. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, there's a, a small bit of a prescription that's given for conflict within God's church. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, Paul writes, he says, be completely humble and gentle, bearing with one another. But that whole part about be completely humble and gentle, you know, one of the ways the issues with love and the hardest part about love is all of us want to be loved more than we want to give love. And so when conflicts arise, the easiest thing to do is, I know for my wife and I, even this morning, uh, even this morning, 
my wife and I, we got into a, a small thing, a little thing. And so I had to iron, iron my pajamas and, you know, <laughs> I had to iron them. And uh, so I pull out, I, I don't mind ironing. And I was going to hop in the shower and I asked my, hey, can you plug in the iron real quick? And uh, my wife was not, let's just say, she was not in a hurry to uh, plug in the iron. And so I got the iron, plugged it in, and uh, there's something else. And I was just like, I was, she was like, oh, are you mad at me? I said, no, you just didn't look like you were ready to move. But I didn't say it in love. This is a confession, not just a story. Um, and then there was something else, and she was like, you don't have to get snarky. Or sarcastic. She didn't say snarky. That's not our word. Sarcastic. And I said, you're right. But the first thing in my mind was, I'm right. Get your butt up. I didn't say that, obviously. I said, after the Holy Spirit talked to me and said, you know, you're preaching this morning. Um, and especially Eric had talked about not quenching the spirit. Uh, it was, okay, how can I do this better? If we want to solve the issue of love and how to love each other, the first thing we got to do is, okay, what can I do better? Whenever I sit down with a married couple and we talk, the first question I ask, okay, forget what the other person did. Forget that. Forget whatever. No matter how right you are, what could you have done better? And the discipline that I have learned over time is, I could have done that better. I see where I could have done X, Y, and Z better. Even if it's just a little bit, I see where I can do it better. That's always the case, right? But here's the challenge. Because I'm way better at seeing what you can do better than what I can do better. And so, for me, the problem comes in the church is, I can see what you can do better, you can see what I can do better, but somebody's got to be able to look at themselves first. Somebody's got to be able to look at themselves. And guess what? We do that. And he gives the answer later. And just, just as a quick clue, I used to, as a kid, I was a terrible reader, uh, meaning I just didn't like to read. But when I did read and I found something I really liked, I used to read it backwards. I would start at the end of the book. So I was a big Stephen King guy. I would start at the end of the book and then read backwards. And so people would always get frustrated. My mom would always get mad at me, frustrated. But I just, I like that. I actually, my wife hates watching movies with me because sometimes a movie I'm really not interested in, I'll start at the, uh, or a series, I'll start at the last episode and see if it's interesting and then I'll work my way backwards. <laughs> Don't ask why. I am going to counseling, so maybe there's a problem. But, <laughs> so God already gives us the answer. We read the answer already. He says the answer to the problem the answer to the problem is to believe in Jesus and to love your neighbor, to lay down your life. And so here's the problem. We know we're the problem. And if can we all just say it really loudly? I am the problem. Say it again. Kim Taylor, stop playing. Say it. I am. There you go. That's what I want to hear. I am the problem. And see, the problem scripturally in, Gen in uh, James chapter 4, he says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires, your evil desires? You kill and covet because you're not getting what you want. 
And you're not getting what you want because you don't ask God. And the reason you don't ask God, again, I'm adding a little bit uh, here to the reasoning for a lot of us. We don't ask God, one, because we don't have faith, two, because what we really want down in our core and the spirit testifies, we want it for ourselves. See, the problem even in the world at large is everybody wants something for themselves and not something for the greater good. Our social ills have to do, our greatest social ills in this country and in this world have to do is because we want something for ourselves and not something for the greater good. I was watching a video the other day, this guy who he said he'd been married five years. He said, I've been married five years. He goes, my wife was great. Uh, we had a great marriage. He goes, but what I realized after five years is I was bored. He goes, she is, she is perfect. She's beautiful, all that. He goes, but I was bored. And I want more for my life. I want more. And I want, to, I want to max out and be the best that I could be. And I could see that that who she was wasn't going to help me be more of everything that I want to experience. And I don't want to settle. And I'm listening to that. And, but he was so confident that he put it on the Internet. And he was just, it was like a testimony to getting greater things. But it was all about him, he was willing to sacrifice another person's life for what he wanted. And you know, we're the same exact way. And it says here, it says that we don't love one another, that we become murderers. How we do that is, in the church in particular, we can murder each other's character. The Bible deal, talks about slander. Uh, we can murder each other in our motives. We doubt one another's motives. Our motives are always pure, right? We always want what God wants and what the Spirit wants, but not everybody else. We murder other people's intent. So when someone says hello, oh, they're just saying hello because they have to say hello because we're at church. We murder their hope of repentance. We murder other people's hope of repentance and change because God put us in this community as a family, as a community, so that we can help each other, edify each other. I need you to get to heaven. You need me to get to heaven. But if I don't speak the truth to you, I'm hindering your opportunity to be more like Jesus. And if you don't speak the truth to me in love, you're hindering my opportunity to be more like Jesus. We are the problem, and we can murder one another. And God said, uh, the Bible tells us here that we know we pass from death to life if we love each other. And hate is simply not malice, but it's just a lack of care and concern. That's the problem. Let's look at the solution. Let's look at the solution. Verse 16, and I love it when God does this, when the Spirit does this. Verse 16, it says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Then he goes on, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but does, has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in them? Let's not love with words and speech, but with actions and in truth. The solution is Jesus, and I'm grateful uh, for what Jeannie shared uh, for communion. I say I love it when what the Spirit does in this is because, uh, just so you guys know, if you're visiting, 
Uh, there is no collaboration between what people share at our welcome or communion. We just say, hey, would you be willing to share? Would you be willing to share? And it's amazing how the Spirit kind of puts it all together. And what Jeannie shared this morning, uh, you know, she, as she went through Job uh, and kind of went through a, kind of a little bit of a panoramic view of God in the Scriptures and our challenges, God gives us the answer. The solution is, is always the same. Here he says, look, this is how we know what, what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life, his life for us. You know what the solution is? The solution is always love. We find it exemplified. Uh, we find it fully illustrated in Jesus. Fully illustrated in Jesus. But it's always love. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and there became that first separation, it says that God, he, he took animal, he made a, a covering for them from an animal. He sacrificed an animal to clothe them. And so we get that first, that whole idea of like, man, even God, he forgave them. He had grace and mercy. He just didn't abandon them and leave them hidden. There were consequences, but God clothed them. He had grace. He had mercy on them. He sacrificed so that they could be covered. And we go on all the different examples. The Israelites, they were a bunch of boneheads. Even in the, they, God rescued them, brought them out of slavery, and they still rebelled. But God still gave them food and water. Even in 40 years of wandering in the desert, guess what? He still provided for them. And then when they crossed on over to the promised land, do you know what? There's a, a small hint in there of God's grace. Because if you read in chapter 24 of Joshua, the people still had idols. They still had idols after all these years, after God killed off a previous generation and wouldn't let them come into the promised land. And he, he gave them the promised land and they still had idols amongst them. And then after if judge after judge, ruler after ruler, king after king, when they would, they would call out to God, then they would abandon him, call out to God and abandon him. God still continued to give and give and give. And then he finally gave Jesus. You see, the answer is always love. And we find that fully in Jesus. So how, what's the solution for us? It's love. And he said that Jesus laid down his life. And so we, how do we practically do it? We lay down our lives for each other. It may not always be physical, though there's some of that. But emotionally, we lay down our lives for each other. We open ourselves up. We are vulnerable with one another. We extend love to one another. We extend grace to one another. Emotional love, spiritual love. I appreciate so much what um, Aaron and Aisha shared last week in their lesson on 1 John 2. As they talked about getting back to the basics and praying with one another, getting into their word, and, and actually experiencing uh, uh, of the, the Christian life together and being confident children of God. For us, it is so easy. All we have to do is say, hey, bro, can I pray with you? Can we have a prayer together? Uh, a, a brother called me last night. He's out of town. He called me. And uh, it was, a, it was, a, it was a, just a, a random call. He called and said, hey, I got a moment. I'm in the car. And he just vented. He said, bro, I'm just, I just need some prayer. Can you pray for me, please? I'm just having a hard time. And I was with another brother, and we were watching a football game. And, but I took the time. Again, I'm not the hero of the story. Uh, the, the point is, I just took the time to listen because he needed some time to vent. 
just so that he didn't explode when he got back into a situation. Amen? And for each one of us, there is something, If again, I don't care what your circumstances are, I don't care how old you are, I don't care how young you are, what you know, what you don't know scripturally, the one thing you know is you can love somebody. I appreciate Ken Nunez. This is his strength. This dude has, I think, a text chain of like 5,000 people he sends scriptures every morning to. I know, he, I, know several of you, I know several of you have already blocked him. Uh, but he sends out, he sends out these scriptures every day. And I know he has a group of brothers he prays with every day. I don't care what you have or don't have. You can pray with someone. You can send a scripture. You can ask the question, is there anything I can pray for you about? One of the things, a discipline that I learned uh, that I work to do and when we have staff meetings or meet with the elders, I, I usually ask or try to ask, what can I do for you? What do you need from me? How can we help you? And I do that because it's, a, it's what I can give. I don't know what it is if they say, hey, you know, uh, can you babysit? No, can't help you there. I know somebody who can, though. But just for us, the simple offer, we can do something. I appreciate Paul Leonard and Orkidia or, organizing Work With Hope. Uh, Paul's mom's got some, she, you know, Paul's mom is struggling. And Paul is like, he's, he's figuring out ways that he can help. He's trying to help us be better for God. We are the solution. And our solution is simple. God gives it to us. We do two things. We believe in Jesus. Because if we believe in Jesus, then we'll do what he did. The reason we're all here today is because Jesus laid down his life for us. If we're going to help one another... If we're going to help a lost and dying world, we've got to lay down our lives for one another, and we've got to lay down our lives for those in the world. Now, here's the thing. I can't do anything about people in Moldova right now. I can't lay down my life. I don't know anybody in Moldova, but I do know people in Windsor where I live. I don't know, you know, anybody in Uzbekistan, but I know people here that I can help. There are people that I run into at the store. There are people you can lay down your life for. The question is, is the, is the, is the pinnacle of your, your love just your words? I love the church. No, I'm not serving. Oh, I love the church. I love missions, but I'm not giving. Oh, I love my family group, but I'm not going to initiate doing anything with my family group. Oh, I love my coworkers and my neighbors. I know I love them. I want them to be saved but I'm not going to reach out and ask to study the Bible. You know, the greatest, uh, a, a great uh, theologian, he once said, uh, love, love is the greatest apologetic or greatest defense for the gospel. It is essential component in reaching the whole person in a fragmented world. The need is vast, but it is also imperative that we be willing to follow the example of Jesus and meet the need. Jesus is the solution, but us following Jesus is also the solution. Amen? The confirmation, lastly. It says, this is how we know we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. And then John goes through this whole thing about uh, our hearts condemning us. Uh, you know, the combination of the world condemning us and our hearts condemning us. And he says, God is greater than our hearts. And he says at the very end here, 
He says, verse 24, the one who keeps God's commands to believe in his son and to love, love your neighbor, love your brother. It says, the one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that, we, that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. And for those of us, uh, for those of you who are, are visiting or don't know, when someone becomes a Christian and Sue's about to get baptized uh, this coming week, uh, when she gets baptized, all of her sins are going to be washed away. And then the Bible promises that we get the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit. If you read Genesis chapter 1, the Spirit that hovered over the waters in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, it, it is a deposit. He gives us the strength to help us live the Christian life. It reminds us, it warns us, it encourages us, it strengthens us, it protects us and guides us. That's inside of us. And he says, we get that, but here also how the Spirit works. We have the Holy Scriptures. And when we look in God's Word, that this, what was guided by the Spirit, written by the Spirit, when we use God's Word, and we know that we're in accordance with love, when we know that we're recognizing that we are the problem in God's great plan. God's great plan to love the world. We are the problem. We look and we see Jesus as the solution. And that by us following Jesus, we can be part of that solution. That can all be confirmed right here in the Word. In our greatest battle, our greatest battle is our doubt. Our doubt of God's Word, our doubt. Uh, our doubt in his ability to actually do what he says. But the more we read the word, and we can look back, it's like Ken, Ken read, uh, he shared about Psalm 121. This week, Psalm 121 helped save my soul. Psalm 121 helped save my soul. I needed that this week. And what it did is as we read God's word, it brings us right back. It brings us right back to Jesus. It brings us right back to our need for him. It brings us right back on what we should do in laying down our lives for one another. Keep it simple, sinners. Two things. We believe in Jesus and we follow his example in laying down our lives for each other. The problem is there. The solution is there. The confirmation is eternally here. Amen? God will do great things with a small group of people that loves the way that he loved. Amen. Let's stand on up. We got one more song and then we're done. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Heart Podcast. To learn more about the Hartford Church of Christ, visit us online at hartfordchurch.org.